The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. Welcome to this episode of the Four Horsemen podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Kerfman. I also have Adam Black, the Reverend Archbishop Christopher Estep, KS Estep evangelist brother, and also... uh, Dr. Dennis Thurman, our seasoned veteran of ministry here, who's doing the sign of the cross, um, which he does every Sunday in the pulpit, from what I hear. Just kidding. You sprinkle holy water. Yes. Right here it is. Yeah, they got one of them little uh, little uh, bird baths when you come in the church. <laughs> Wash your sins away before you come in. Anyways, we're not talking about that tonight. We're going to talk about uh, the gospel which we've done earlier episodes on, but I read an article recently that asked the question, has the American church lost the gospel? So, we're going to find out first in the room. Adam, I'm lost. What is the gospel? Jesus died for me. (laughs) No, it is uh, creation, fall, uh, restoration, and redemption. So I've been doing. Okay. I can go deep into that. That's very succinct. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris, what is the gospel? Do you want me to lay it out or do you want me to just give a... I'm saying, I mean, if you got like like one or two minutes with somebody, you know, basically in a nutshell, what's the minimum that a person has to know to be saved? <laughs> That's a good question. I just had a conversation with somebody about that the other day. Um I think the, you know, you start with the understanding of, of sinfulness, you know, that we're all sinners inside of a holy God, you know, and, and that's sometimes a difficult thing to do in the culture in which we live because people don't believe that they're sinners, um, you know, and that's one of the things like when we've done evangelism, that's why I love the the way of the master approach, you know, because you ask probing questions with the Ten Commandments that, that opens up and people are usually willing to confess those things and you can use that. But I think there has to be an understanding of God's expectation of holiness and perfection and that mankind has fallen um, into sin and that because of that sin there's a separation from God there's no way that man can be restored back to a relationship with God in and of his own strength Um, but that God in his love and mercy and grace sent his son Jesus Christ who was uh, born of a virgin lived a perfect and sinless life you know those things are important to talk about because you know, Jesus could not be Jesus if he was not born of a virgin. He could not be Jesus if he didn't live a perfect and sinless life. Um, that he went to the cross and that on the cross he suffered a real death and he suffered an, an atoning death. That he actually took the sins of his people upon his own body and bore the wrath of God uh, for his, for our sins. Um, that he was dead, buried, resurrected from the grave, um, ascended to the right hand of God the Father. Um, and that if we will confess, uh, repent of our sins, turn away from that, put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, um, that God will, um, will forgive us of our sins and grant us eternal life. Um, you know, and understanding that, that sin has to be punished. You know, I think a lot of Christians assume that, that when God forgives us of our sin, that he's just like absolving sin without punishment. 
you know, but no, it's like every sin will be punished and it's either punished in that person uh, for eternity in hell or it has been punished in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, so I think in order to have a, a clear understanding of the gospel, you have to understand the sinfulness of man or the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man, the, the only way of salvation being Jesus Christ and that there must be repentance and faith. Okay. Dennis, what is the gospel? God designed a perfect world made everything and said it was good. Obviously, that's not where we are now. And the problem is sin. And sin is not just some of these egregious deeds that people do, but sin is going our own way, doing our own thing, being our own God. And so in that brokenness that we find our world in today, the problem is we try to fix it. Everybody does. They try to correct and and deal what's broken, but it's not God's way. God's way is that we repent, that is, turn from our wicked ways, from our own way to his way, and that is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. The good news is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose again for our justification, and that if we place our faith in him, which means a commitment of our life to him, that we can be saved. And then what that does is that enables us to recover what was lost and to uh, pursue God's original design. And so uh, to me, uh, that's the content of of the gospel. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to to the scriptures. Second uh, Corinthians five uh, twenty one. He hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And so, to me, that's the core of of the gospel message. Simply, it's good news. But the good news, of course, like Chris was saying, is predicated on the bad news that we that we are that we are sinners. And uh, so, that's how I see it. Okay, and I guess in a nutshell, there's a lot of ways you could say it, but. Um the basic way that I would explain it is that um, God created everything good originally that mankind uh, chose to go their own way or to be their own gods and became evil. And so therefore all human beings are evil and, uh, and hate God by nature and do whatever they want. Um, But because God loves humans um, and he made a way for them to be right with him again. And, And the way by doing that is by, um, punishing their sins, um, not for them, but on Jesus who became a substitute for them, who exchanged places with them when he died on the cross. And that everyone who is uh, confessing that they're a sinner is turning away from that sin and is trusting in Jesus as the sacrifice for their sins um, will be saved. And so, of course, we all know here, and most of our listeners are going to know, there's a whole lot that you can unpack of Mm -hmm. all the different details of how God worked out that plan and what the Scripture teaches about those things and all the finer points of theology. But essentially, uh, we understand that uh, mankind is sinful, cannot get to God on his own, and because of God's great love, he makes a way where there was no way. And And the means by which he does that is through his son, Jesus and so um, we we would be in agreement with that. So, second question. Adam, how many people sitting in church on Sunday morning in your church know what the gospel is? 
know what the gospel is. In the sense of if I asked them the same question, if I interviewed everybody on Sunday morning and said, what is the gospel? How many of them would have uh, some kind of clear answer? I mean, we're not talking about master theologians here, but at least have kind of the fundamentals. Three months ago, I would answer maybe four or five outside of just the Jesus died for me. Um, hopefully I've been teaching what is, I've been asking every Wednesday night for the last three months, what is the gospel? And then working through, like I said, um, the creation fall, uh, redemption, restoration. And, and so hopefully now they'll be able to explain that. So I would say, well, how many come on Wednesday night? I would say that hopefully 75% of the people in our church could at least hopefully tell you those four things and maybe even give you bullet points. Um, so well, that's good. I mean, I that's would hope. But like I said, if yeah. I, you know, without being intentional about teaching exactly what the gospel is and, and why right. it's needed, not just for salvation. And that's the big thing I've been preaching to them and teaching. Is it's yes, it is for salvation, but it is for every single day life. And, um, and so they, uh, I think they're beginning to get it. Hopefully. And we're, and we're going to come back to that too. Cause I think that you're making a good point there of the way that it gets better is through intentionality. So yeah. I do want to come back to that. Chris, for you on, on a Sunday morning, if you were to just go around and survey people and say, what is the gospel? Let's give like a percentage, you know, how, what, how many do you think would have some kind of a clear answer to that question? Well, you know, 85% of all statistics are made up, so I don't like for, I don't like percentages. But but I would say in in line with what what Adam has said, you know, I think, you know, you being there in the context too that that all of us as 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 pastors have made a distinct effort not only in the Sunday morning worship experience but in in the classes that we have to have that focus of of the gospel being presented on a regular basis. Um, you know, and and I know that all of us when we preach is like not every text is directly about Jesus, but every text can point to Jesus and can point to the gospel. So, you know, we always try to, there's a, always a gospel incorporation in the midst of that and it kind of walking through that. And and so I would say, I really think that where we're at now culturally as a church, I would think that the majority, uh, in the, the overwhelming majority of our congregation could give a at least a concise and clear explanation of what the gospel is. You know, I even think, you know, and this, this is, I mean, brag on some of our teachers for our, some of our kids, you know, I think some of our kids that are six and seven years old, if you sat them down and said, what is the gospel? And even some of them who have not professed faith yet could give a clear articulation of what the, of what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that too. Dennis, what about you? On a Sunday morning, if we were just to go around and interview people, how many people do you think would have a, a pretty clear answer to that question? What is the gospel? I would like to think that after almost a quarter century manning this pulpit, that a majority of our people would understand the gospel and be able to articulate it in some fashion. I, I would hope 75%. may be great if it, was, if it were more. Perhaps I'm fooling myself and it wouldn't be as many, but one of the encouraging things is, is sometimes a child will write a note or, or, or say something and, and, and it will be so clear their understanding of the gospel. And I'm thinking if the kids are getting it, then mom and dad are teaching sure. it and they know it. And, and so I, I think there's some that would not uh, be able to express it that way that, that maybe no, but just couldn't express it. And there's some 
probably sitting out there that don't believe it, and uh, yet they come for various uh, reasons, and maybe because mom and dad make them as a teenager or uh, something else, uh, just their culture. They grew up in church, but they've never had a, a new birth. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm fooling myself if I think those people aren't there, but but I, I think I think most people would be able to do that. Yeah. One of the most encouraging things that we've seen in our context over the past, I would say, two years, as we've really been making a pointed effort in that that idea of understanding the gospel and not just understanding it, but evangelistically and outreach, is the number of people on an almost weekly basis of church members who come up and share either in small group or to us as pastors to say, you know, pray for so-and-so, I shared the gospel with mm, him this week. Good. You know, and so for people to be confident to do that, at least belays to me that they have a confident in the understanding of the gospel because they're then going out and sharing mm-hmm. the gospel with mm-hmm. their with their coworkers and family members. So, yeah, and so one of the things that I noticed about all of your responses is that there is some kind of intentional element in your ministry, whether that's a Wednesday night class or Sunday morning or just consistent preaching over a long period of time, there's an intentional emphasis there of recounting the gospel to people, of answering that question for them so that they're hearing on a regular basis, this this yeah. is the good news of Jesus, this is what the gospel is. And, and if you don't care, let me interject just one other practical thing that we're doing that uh, in, in our Bible study groups that meet uh, 945, uh, f- from preschoolers on up through uh, our adults, is we're using the Gospel Project which is a curriculum that really stresses what the gospel is in every mm-hmm. lesson, in whatever text it is, taking people to Jesus. And so I understand that even though I've, I've made these efforts and we do a lot of training and evangelism and so forth, and uh, that, that still you can never get to a place where you say, well, work's done. They know it. You right. constantly be doing that. And I think the Gospel Project is one of those tools that, that we saw beneficial for the whole family to get that grasp of the gospel in their heads so that then it would grasp their hearts and change their life. And the, go- think- the gospel uh, project is great content. We use generations of grace, which is different, but it's laid out pretty similarly to that. And it's the same way it has things at home and that kind of stuff. And that's one of the ways that we can measure that too is one, it helps equip the parents to talk to the kids about the Lord at home because a lot of parents just don't know where to start. And I know gospel project has take home stuff too um, for parents, but then also for the kids, it's, it's, Asking them questions that make them really have to think and process the information. So it's not just memorize this Bible verse or do you can you recount this Bible story and who the characters are, but like you said, tying it into that gospel message of, you know, what does Noah really have to do with Jesus? And and what is that teaching about salvation and about God? And when you tie those things in together, it does, it creates a better um, understanding of the gospel. That's something that I, in the last year, really, that I've noticed is the the gospel story, like I said, the the four elements that I gave is pretty much in every biblical mm-hmm. account. So you could, and this is what I've been trying really in the last couple of months and being intentional is you can, the, the gospel story in every single mm-hmm. sermon um, and, and even in evangelism. And this is where I'm trying to get our people to, it, even when you listen to people's stories, when you're having talks with someone who is lost you still hear the, this is what they find their identity in. This is why they're not where they think they need to be. They even give you, here's the solution I think that will get me there. And here's what the end will look like. You know, if I get what I think I need, you know, so even there you can use it, flip it and well, let me give you 
the the real gospel. So so like I said, really for me personally as a as a the pastor is like really trying to emphasize the the gospel in everything I'm teaching and preaching. And so so let um, me ask helped. this. So we so we talked a little bit about our individual ministries and kind of with us having the pulse on our people, kind of where we think they're at. Um, all of us in the room here happen to also be uh, Southern Baptist pastors. And so we can kind of speak denominationally to you, but the Southern Baptist Convention is, I, I believe, still the largest Protestant denomination in the U.S. Uh, and um, United Methodist would come in second for the time being. Um, but uh, we would be the largest numerically, you know, uh, with all of our bloated roles in, in, the, uh, in the United States. And that's a different episode. But, okay, so let's talk denominationally then. Denominationally... If you had to throw out a percentage of how many Southern Baptists, if you just polled all Southern Baptists in the U.S. and said, what is the gospel? What percent ballpark do you think would be able to clearly answer that question based on what you know about Southern Baptist culture? Well, I think I think you have to look at it in a couple of different perspectives. Um, I think if you had done it maybe 10 years ago, I think it would have been terrifying, the the low percentage. But... I'm encouraged, you know, by, you know, every year going to the Southern Baptist Convention, seeing the push, and, and not that the convention hasn't always done this, but a, a more like a very clear, precise, pointed push towards that kind of idea of training our people in the gospel. Because the problem has been that for the long time, the gospel was something that you did and you got saved and then you never thought about it anymore, you know. When you talk about the gospel, it's like, oh, I did that. I got saved. Mm -hmm. You know, and instead of this understanding, it was like, well, no, the gospel is something that's every day in your life. You know, you should be an Uckleman who says, you know, preaching the gospel to yourself every single day, you know, and rehearsing it in your mind every single day so that it's a part of, of everything that you live and breathe and do so that you are a, a gospel saturated person in the way that you live and act and work and play, that everything is saturated in the gospel. Um, you know, so I, I would be afraid to even throw out a number of what the convention would look like, but I think that it's... I would think that it's growing and, and getting better because there is such a, a growing push amongst pastors and not just young pastors. I think even older pastors too, um, who are, are realizing that this is a, a, a critical point in the, in the church, especially where we are culturally. This like our people have, this is that you have to understand what the gospel is. It has to be a part of you because the only way that you're going to be able to make a stand as a Christian in this culture is if you have a good solid foundation of the gospel and that's the only way that you're going to be able to push forward and, and do what we're called to do as believers. So so I think, uh, you know, and this is anecdotal. I have no data to back this up, but you did ask opinions. And <laughs> and so uh, if you looked at the people who would call themselves Southern Baptist, I mean, they may have never darkened the door of the church in 30 years since they got baptized, but, but if they'd call themselves that, I, I think if you had one out of four of those people, uh, that could actually articulate the gospel. That might be that might be a little high. Uh, it sounds pretty pessimistic, but well, USA Today did a some a survey of evangelical mm -hmm. and and just I probably agree with you because like just biblical literacy on simple things was mm -hmm. terrible. I mean, well, you Jonah know, Mark did was a study. No, I mean that was Le Ligonier did a study last <laughs> year and asked some of his questions, and I didn't have the results up here for this. I probably should have, but. 
Um, it was it was pretty alarming to you. It was just depressing. Some, just some yeah. of the fundamentals. Well, Jesus being the only way. Yeah. I mean that number. Yeah. I well, was in, like, in the Ligonier city, because I, I referenced it a couple of weeks ago because I was preaching on hell from the rich man and Lazarus, and you know there was one question. You know, is hell a literal place where people will go? And it was like 68% of people agreed with that, which, okay, you think that's encouraging. 68% of people surveyed at least believe that hell is a literal place. But then one of the questions was, was is, is one sin enough to send somebody to hell forever? And 70-something percent of people disagreed with that. Mm. It's like, so you, you understand that it's like if 70% of, of people who are professing some type of knowledge of the Scripture don't understand that even just one sin, you know, is, is you know, and it's really not even just one sin because we're born sinful, right. but they don't even believe that that one sin would be enough to, to send somebody mm-hmm. to hell forever demonstrates the lack of the understanding of, of what the gospel is all about. So so my tendency is, is to kind of agree with Dennis because... Even it, I've seen examples of people who are in churches that have faithful preaching, um, that are engaged, maybe even like, uh, teenagers, you know, who at home, their parents are doing Bible study and stuff like that, you know, that they're exposed to all of that. And yet at the same time, when you ask them a question that requires them to formulate their own answer, uh, they just don't, they don't have it. You know, and I think that happens with a lot of adults too. And so if you ask them, you know, especially in the South here, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, well, usually it means you go to church or I've been baptized or I joined the church or, um, you know, I believe Jesus died for my sins or you, you get these kind of answers, you know, but, but a lot of times that person doesn't really seem sure. I don't know what a Christian is. I just know that I am one basically because somebody told me that I am one. But I, but nobody's ever asked me to answer questions like that, and, and I think that's kind of the prevailing situation. And I would agree with Chris. I do think that that is improving, or at least in our denomination, I, I do think I'm meeting more and more pastors who are emphasizing that a lot more and are being more intentional. And I think our room reflects this. You know, all of us in here said we're doing some intentional things in our church to try to help with that, to help people think through um, those issues, but. But the article that I read that kind of prompted this topic was basically saying that, you know, nationwide in in American culture, it's probably alarming the amount of people who would say that they are Christians but can't articulate even fundamental Christian doctrines. And and you have a situation now where you have people who uh, they hear the Bible on Sunday morning sometimes, but they don't read it, so they don't really even know what the Bible teaches about things. They they get a little bit of teaching on Sunday morning. And of course, this is, the statistics show that people aren't even going every Sunday morning anymore. It's like twice a month. And so what little Bible intake they're getting, even that is, is basically, um, they're, they're, they're on the receiving end. There's no dialogue. And so you have people that can literally, say that they're a Christian, attend church regularly, and go through their life and never actually have conversations about Christianity. It's just one way, like I'm taking information in, but nobody's ever forcing me to think enough to actually give a response to anything about my faith. Right. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't feed to the, the emotionalism that we, we've been talking about. You know, it, you know sometimes, um, like I've been t- telling our folks um, from the pulpit, you know, what you truly believe is seen in your actions, right? So you can you can have all the head knowledge in the world, but if you're not 
if it's not seen in your actions, you really don't believe it. I, That's I, first John. <laughs> yeah. I, I, jo- I joke, I joke with our folks a lot because you know, you'll have, and y'all know this and everybody listening knows this and you'll have people that miss church. Well, I hated not being there. You know, I no, you really, you did not hate not being here. You enjoyed being at the lake or yeah. at the ball game. It's you, you showed in your your actions what your true beliefs were, and and uh, so no, no one, no one tells me now that they hated not being there. Um, but um, but like I said, I think it has a lot to do with what you truly believe. And in my own life, you know, I had all the knowledge in the world as far as scripture, knowing the stories, and knowing all that. But man, the the gospel didn't really take root, uh, until, you know, the more I gained and, you know, uh, loving the Lord is being obedient to the Lord. And how are we obedient to the Lord by being in his word? Um, and if you're not in his word, you're not being obedient. So it's kind of this, this kind of vicious cycle. So years ago, I heard a fellow named Peter Lord say this, we practice daily what we truly believe. All the rest is just religious talk. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And I've never forgot that so, statement. So what do you guys think about this statement? Would you agree or disagree with this statement? If you don't know how to answer the question, what is the gospel, you're not saved. Would you guys agree or disagree with that question? I would agree. I would agree. I think I would probably agree, too. Because um, even the thief on the cross knew what was going on. Yeah, I mean, because if you he didn't know a lot, but and again, it's like right. this is not yeah, to say right. that you have to have a textbook theologically, you know, right theology. We're not saying you got to write a paper. Yeah. yeah, but if but if you don't have if you can't verbalize what happened in your own life to somebody else, then then how could you have understood it enough to even believe it in the first place? Well, and 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 I'm I know what you guys are saying, and I'm and and I'll just come down the scale a little bit farther. And, and think about the man that was born blind that, that Jesus healed. And then they, they called him in to give a, you know, a theological discourse about him. And he said, you know, I don't, I don't know this, I, you, what you're saying. I don't understand all that. I know this. I was blind and now I can see. So, so I think there are people that probably can't articulate the message that still it's, it's gripped their heart. I don't think it's going to stay there. If there's real grace, I think they're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. But the very fact that Scripture talks about that growth and that how it happens is that that's an expectation, that you don't start there. You're a new babe in Christ, and then you, you begin to grow. But but I, I, I would say this, and I would agree, that if you can at least give a basic understanding of the gospel and the content of it, you know, I would be gravely concerned about that person's soul. You know? Right. And and so I, I'm I'm uh a little surprised that we were in that much in agreement on that. I think I was expecting a little more uh You thought it was uh, gonna be me. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just I figured everybody was gonna kinda have like exceptions or modifications or whatever. But in general, like I would agree with what everybody said, which is at the very least, if you don't have a response to that question or if your response is not dealing with sin and repentance and faith, um, I would say you should be very concerned about whether or not you're actually saved. Of course, none of us can say for sure, right. you know, whether somebody is or not, but it would, it would be one of those things, you know, if, if somebody, if somebody in my church came to me and said, Hey, you know, I believe that I've become a Christian recently and I, and I'm ready to be baptized. Okay. 
I'm going to ask them, what what does it mean to you to be a Christian, or, or what do you think the gospel is? And if I get some answer about, you know, uh, you know, I think that um, Jesus died on the cross for me, which is like everybody knows to say, yeah. and I say, well, what does that mean? Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't hear something about I'm a sinner and Jesus died for my sins. Or something about um, God wants me to turn from my sin and trust in Him, or something along those lines. I'm I'm going to be telling them I, I don't think you're ready to be baptized yet. I think we need to talk a little bit more before we go through with that stuff. Well, then of course you you're get a lot of people not even going to be able to say that. They'll say, well, you know, I'm a good person, or I go to church, right. or I joined X Y Z church, or I got baptized, and boy, I got in the water and I washed it washed my sins away. I mean, right. you're going to get a lot of nonsense like like that. And, and here, and here's the thing. The point I would drive home, Ben, about that is that the devil knows the content of the gospel oh, yeah. and can articulate mm-hmm. he every was there. orthodox position. He he believes in all of that, and he's not saved. So my goodness, what about people that don't even know it? Right. Well, and and that's and that's like I said again, when it comes to can we determine whether somebody's saved or not? No. At the end of the day. There's a miracle that happens with salvation that that transcends knowledge. I mean, you have to know certain things, but the fact is, is you're exactly right, Dennis. I mean, you you can know all the right stuff. You know, our previous episode on apostasy reflects this. You can know all the right stuff and and die and go to hell. And that goes back um, to the question I ask, and this is the one question I ask with baptismal candidates, and it's been a while: is how has Jesus changed your life? You know, and and I've been. I've heard some great answers with that. And then I've heard other, you know, well, he died for me. It's one of the uh, church planning coaches I talked about was talking about asking people to give you their testimony. Mm -hmm. And, and he said, listen in their testimony. He said, because what you will find a lot of times is you'll have 85% of this is my life before Christ. And then I Mm -hmm. got saved. And then there was like 5% of Jesus, you know, and he said, if you were a salesman trying to sell a car and they're telling you all the bad things wrong at the beginning, what are mm-hmm. you, you know, buying into? Your life before Jesus was way better. Sounded like, you know, from a fun and adventurous because yeah. they seem to celebrate in that mm-hmm. period of time. And and he said, be real keen to look for that. Oh, it was crazy times. We had a blast. Well, you're not really remorseful for yeah. that. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the mistakes that that we make that I've probably made over the years and I see happen a lot is when we hear somebody articulate that and we don't we don't hit right. the brakes and preach the gospel. That'll help my numbers. Because, well, I mean, I'm not even just saying that. I mean, obviously there's some guys that just have really low standards of membership and things like that. I'm not even yeah. talking about that. But what I'm saying is, is like, you know, say say you're talking to that person and this person seems sincere. Like maybe, you know, they really, they want to be a Christian and they do want to join the church and they want to be baptized. And you hear them articulate something that's like works-based or something like that, which happens a lot. It's really common. A lot of times people are just kind of like, well, you know, I don't know. And they just kind of soft pedal it. Mm -hmm. And you leave room for that person to think, well, I'm probably right. And they just didn't understand me. Instead of really like hitting the heart, doing a hard stop and saying, hey, you you need to know that that's not what the gospel is. Like, let let me explain it to you. And if you're not ready to move forward with that, wherever, that's fine. But what I'm hearing you say is not really what the gospel is. And a lot of times we don't just hard stop somebody. And so we kind of leave that little bit of wiggle room for them to go on their way and think, I'm probably fine, instead of saying, okay, you need to understand, if you think that being a Christian means going to church or 
my granddaddy was a pastor or I, you know, I prayed a prayer at VBS or whatever it is, or, or I'm a pretty good person. You need to understand none of that stuff is the gospel that you're not going to be saved by any of that. And here's what you do need to know. And, and I think sometimes we miss a lot of those opportunities, even with like kids and stuff, you know, it's, I think all of us in here are pretty conservative as far as baptizing children and all that kind of stuff. Um, definitely more so than our Presbyterian brothers. But, um, but the fact is, is even if one of my kids comes to me and says, you know, like I've got one of my boys, he's not been baptized. I would not consider him a Christian right now, but I do think the Lord's dealing with him and we're having conversations. But at the same time, some of those conversations are when I ask him, I, when I ask him questions like, what is the gospel? And he gives me a weird answer. I'm like, well, no, that's, that's not what it is. This is what it is. You see what I mean? And so I think the theme that we're seeing throughout this podcast is, is that the, the only way that the, that the answer to that question gets better for people is we have to teach them and have intentional conversations with them about the gospel. And that as everybody has mentioned thus far, you know, the gospel isn't this one time I heard it and I pretty Get prepared, out of hell but yeah, you know, it's not fire insurance, but it's, it's, you, you need the gospel every day. You know, the gospel is good news of Jesus victory over sin, death, hell, the grave, mm-hmm. Satan, everything. It, it's him having all authority in heaven and on earth. You know what I mean? And, uh, and that's good news that we all need to be hearing every day. And so we need to make sure that we're preaching that to ourselves, that our people are hearing that. Um, that they're hearing the Bible and like Adam, like you were saying, tying the gospel into that text of what is this text teaching us about God's plan? And then um, in having those one-on-one conversations with people and being honest with them about, um, about the gospel and what it is and what it isn't so that people can have discernment about those kind of things. Well, and, and I think we do have some recovery, some encouraging signs in some churches, a winnowing is taking place of those that are, are coming back to the the core of the gospel, but but I would caution us, men, that there's a lot, and I'm afraid it's it's growing. I'm a little more cynical um, of moral therapeutic deism mm-hmm. that people, even in Southern Baptist churches, are flocking to to have their felt needs addressed, mm-hmm. and all they're hearing is uh, we're going to start a five part series on how you can enjoy your uh, your job better. We're going mm-hmm. to do a 10 part series on, uh, uh how to have a, a happy home. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that those things can't be rooted in scripture, but I'm saying a lot of it is just the self help, happy, clappy kind of stuff. And when that happens, people are not going to hear the gospel yeah. and they're going to think I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. I, right. I'm a good employee. I'm a good citizen. I'm a good husband. I'm a good wife. I'm a good, whatever. And, uh, and and there is a lot. It's like a cancer in evangelicalism, I think. Well, and it's really no different than the prosperity gospel because the prosperity gospel teaches that God wants you to be rich, and that's your number one purpose. And so you hear all these messages on God wants you to be rich. And the the moralistic therapeutic deism gospel is that God wants you to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, God wants you to have... And, and I believe God wants marriages to be good. But the fact of the matter is you hear people preach that you know, okay, here's five keys to a better marriage, and if you'll become a Christian, your marriage will get better. Well, in fact, your marriage may get worse if you become a Christian, because <laughs> if you're if you both of you are unbelievers and you become a Christian and your spouse still isn't, it's going to become a lot harder and yeah, it really. is going to get better. You know, and that's where it has to go back to the fact that it's like, but if you're preaching it based upon the gospel, that you're coming to Christ not to make your physical life better, 
not to improve your marriage, although that's an aspect that can happen later on. Not your on. best life it's now. Not your best life now. You're coming to Christ because you're a sinner who needs a Savior. Your sinfulness is presented to you in such a way that you realize you have no hope in and of yourself, and the only hope that you have is in Jesus Christ. Um, but I believe that that, like you said, that that's, that's the temptation that that continues to grow is because you have, and this is to not try to chase a rabbit trail, but if you have churches that have been built upon a premise where you have a large group of people, and it, and it can happen in smaller churches too, but it's like you, their temptation is to preach messages to keep people there and to preach messages that are going to encourage people in that line of thinking, mm-hmm. you know, to make them happier, to make them feel better about themselves but never being clear and true about what the gospel actually is. Because if you preach the gospel, then you're going to learn how to make your marriage and your family better. Sure. If you preach the gospel, you're going to learn how to be a better employee or a better boss. If you preach the gospel, you're going to learn how to raise your kids in such a way to honor the Lord. It's like all those things come out of that. Absolutely. You, you just have to be faithful to preach the text mm-hmm. and just to preach the gospel. Right. And, and, and really what that comes down to is the sufficiency of Scripture. Sure. You know, it's it's Baptists have recovered inerrancy, so almost all Southern Baptists are going to affirm that the Bible is a hundred percent true and accurate in everything that it teaches, and that it is God's word. But the question is, is it sufficient to help me with these felt need issues? And a lot of times, what we're seeing is 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 a reverse construction of I'm going to start with the needs, and I'm going to find verses that apply to what psychology or society or experts teach about the needs. And so then really those experts and that culture is holding up the message and the scripture is just kind of the icing on top. Whereas what we're saying is, is you can actually achieve the same and even better results by having the scripture on the bottom. And if you've got to use an illustration or you've got to use a nice graphic or you've got to use something like that, that can be the icing on the top, but that's not the substance on which the thing is being built, you know, and, and Adam and I have been around this about doing things well, you know, we're not saying, you know, well, if you use a projector screen on Sunday morning or you have a nice graphic on Instagram or something, then you're not really preaching the gospel. But what we are saying is, is if that's what you're relying on to build the church, and the Bible is just kind of a, a little garnish that you're throwing on there because you feel like you got to throw God a bone, then you might be in trouble. And of course, there's a lot of churches that don't do that, you know, and so we're not like um, trying to slam anybody that has a different methodology or something. But essentially what we can say is, is that not only does someone need to know what the gospel is in order to be saved, but that the gospel has to be the foundation of the church. Um, you know, uh, we sing a song, uh, Sunday, which we sing often is the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, and that if we don't get that right underneath, you know, if the foundation isn't right, the whole house is going to be messed up. And so, um, for those pastors who are preaching regularly, who may be listening to this or whatever, don't forget about the gospel. And we're not saying you got to sit there and do you know, Romans wrote every Sunday or whatever, there, there's different ways of doing that. And you got to figure out for your church and your context, what's a helpful way to teach people how to do that. But more importantly, make sure that when you get in that pulpit, that there's a whole lot more Bible than there is anything else. And that it's being properly interpreted and applied. Because if you do that, coupled with the miracle that we talked about in regeneration where the Holy Spirit applies that truth to that person's heart and opens their eyes to see it as truth that applies to them, then people will be saved. 
And so they can't be saved just by knowledge. And the Holy Spirit works through means, which is the word. So if you're not preaching that word, nobody's getting saved. And if the Holy Spirit's not working and you are preaching that word, nobody's getting saved. But there's a promise there that if you are preaching that word, that the Holy Spirit will do some work, that that word's not going to return void, and that some people will be saved. And so we just need to do our part to be instructing people and encouraging them uh, in preaching the gospel. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than master the president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say they grasp is greener seen the forecast man they calling for katrina